You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hi, and welcome again to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys. As always, I'm your host, Ben, with my host, Vadim. How's it going, Vadim? Hello. It's going well. Can you hear me still okay? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> okay, good. Monkeying around with all these settings. I know. I know. It's I think always... I know what I was doing. <laughs> it's always a tricky thing getting the video set up and rerouting so that we can hear audio playing out of our DAWs so that our listeners can hear. But uh, as far as this uh, episode going live, it should be all in working order, whether or not it's working yes. now or after the fact with editing. <laughs> whether I have a nervous breakdown or not <laughs> to get it to where it is when you're listening to it yes. is is another question entirely. Yes. Cool. What's uh What's been going on with you? So I finally finished the brew cycle for my first beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. And? Irish Stout. And it was awesome. It turned out so good. I'm so happy. It tastes like a Guinness, only better. <laughs> oh, yes. That's awesome. It was so good. So happy to uh, to pop that top off of that and heard the little sound from the carbon dioxide yes. escaping. And, oh, man. I was just so happy that it worked out. We're already brewing another batch of red ale that'll be done next week so yeah cool it's been fun man it's a good it's a good little hobby to have it doesn't take too much time it's like two to three hours every couple weeks all right so let's get into um our episode today and um yes what are we talking about all right today we are talking about the concept of layering and creating multiple layers to achieve a certain goal and this is something we've talked about in the past. I'll use your example. I think you said once that you know a rock band is something that's really intuitive to us, what the elements of a rock band are. So we've talked about this concept before of the whole frequency spectrum hitting you in the face at once. It's a great way to create an impact. So for our rock band example, we could, you know, starting at the subs, you have the kick drum going and then above that. 100 hertz, the bass is prominent, and then the then the bass and the guitar and the low mids have kind of an overlap, like around 250 hertz, the guitar starts to become really prominent. If you're like mm-hmm. a proggy band, maybe like 900 hertz, you have a keyboard come in, and then you have the cymbals above that, you know, from whatever, 4 kilohertz up to above 16 kilohertz. So picture that whole thing on the one of the chorus, the drummer hits the kick drum, and the big crash cymbal, and the bass player hits his note, and the guitar player, and then you double track the guitars, right? That's a wall of spectrum mm-hmm. hitting you in the face. And one of the cool things about these, these layers, and again, I'm borrowing from you here, Ben, is that you can apply that concept of the whole frequency spectrum across genres. So if you're working in an electronic genre, you can still say, okay, I, all I have is 10 synths, fine. What is each one of them doing in this frequency spectrum? So that's one way we're talking we're going to talk today about building layers uh anything to add on frequencies before we move on to other types of layers no i don't think so i mean that's 
you did a great way of explaining how I like to talk about it. Um, I don't know a better way of thinking of doing layers because I grew up playing in rock bands and that's just so, uh, my ears are so accustomed to that style of music and smarter people than me figured out, oh, we need these drums and these cymbals and like a longer guitar, which we'll call a bass <laughs> and a guitar <laughs> and vocals all fitting together that fill up the frequency spectrum really well. Like somebody figured out that this uh, arrangement of instruments fills the spectrum really well. And so I'm just taking what some smarter people than me already figured out and applying it to electronic music or rock music that is uh, further propelled forward or changed in tone or made more massive by those electronic sounds as well. Right, right. And that's kind of where we're going to end up going with this. I'll say another thing about, I guess, frequencies is that we kind of just gave the generic breakdown, which is all intuitive to us from listening to, to rock music. But mm -hmm. there's an important thing you kind of touched on there, which is that a guitar is not a bass. So I can take a guitar and I can pitch it down an octave and I'm not going to get the same impact in that frequency band that I want, 100 hertz or whatever, that I would get with a bass and and vice versa. You know, I mm -hmm. can't just take a bass and pitch it up an octave and then distort it through a high gain amp and get the same harmonic density or harmonic content that I would get if I did that with a guitar. So it's also yeah. a little bit about understanding the strengths of the instruments uh, or the, whatever the sounds. Let's say you have synths, you know. Does that synth, how much of that synth is doing work in the 60 hertz area versus how much of that synth is doing most of its work in the one kilohertz area, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding the strengths of each of those instruments is going to help you decide where to put it in that spectrum. Yeah, another note going off of what you just said there, because I thought that was a great note. I'll apply what you just said to electronic music. And the thing that always confused me about like, electronic music in particular, like um, trance or dubstep, was that you'll hear producers in that genre talk about, you know, the wobble bass or the bass is, oh, it's so heavy, the bass. And a lot of times I found that whenever I opened up those productions, whether I found multi-tracks online or I saw somebody talking about it, what they were calling the bass, I actually would call more like a distorted mid-range synth, more like an electric guitar because right. it's filling up the mid-range, which our ears are so acclimated to. And that's where, all, like, that's where all the energy is. And so I think people just, that term caught on of saying wobble bass or bass in general, just cause it's so heavy sounding, even though it's not the, the bass or the subs. So just wanted to throw that's that out there. That's such a great there. point. I was I was doing a mix once for this this band who it's like a doom sludge. Oh, nice! Like just <laughs> everything was distorted to hell, and they sent me these multi tracks, and I'm listening to it. Even the bass guitar, like the whole bass was sent through a distortion pedal. Everything was distorted, and I thought to myself, what this needs to be heavier is actually a clean low end. Yep. And so what I did was I actually created like a clean, almost like a sine wave but you know just undistorted in the low frequencies i matched that what the bass was playing on my midi controller i lined up all the transients and then i filtered out all that distorted low end 
and just had this clean bass tone, which is so counterintuitive, but I sent it, it to the band and they were like, oh yeah, that's what we wanted. And I was like, I know, you don't want to distort everything <laughs> to get that. Layers, layers. That is, that is a great technique. I completely forgot about that te technique until you mentioned it, but a lot of times that is what um, even really good bass distortion pedals, they do that naturally. They're, the pedal is actually splitting the signal and keeping the low end clean uh, to reproduce the subfrequencies a lot better. And then it's distorting the mid and the high bands. You don't even know yes. that it's happening, but it's doing it automatically. Ah, oh, yeah, interesting. I didn't actually, yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, I know like the dark class, some of the, the fancier stuff does that, but um, that's such a, it's such a, it makes sense. It's a great idea. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, bands that are like the two-piece bands, like that video I sent you last week of 68 is a mm. band. Another famous one is Royal Blood. Um, yes. Those bands are doing that type of thing where it's just a guitarist. They're taking that guitar sound and they are using a pitch shifter pedal, something like a POG you may have heard of. They're pitch shifting it down and then they're taking that clean downshifted portion, sending it to a bass amp the rest of the guitar signal goes along and gets obliterated through fuzz and yes. then they blend all that back in together. That's actually how they do it live to get that massive sound. Yeah. Very cool, man. I love it. I love yeah. it. So that's frequency layers. Um, another way to layer things is through the stereo field, right? So this is where like double tracking guitars is like the most common example that we all know and love. That's where, you know, you've created space for your layers now and you're maybe layering things from left to, uh, from center outward, right? From from the center out to the left and right. And again, that is going to have a bigger impact. So if you picture like something like doing, um, in fact, one of one of the examples I, I I'm going to play today has this happening where before like a big drop or something like one common production trick that I like is to just have a mono guitar and kind of have everything small and up the middle. And then in the drop, mm. all of a sudden, everything is super wide, and that's, that's, that creates the impact. So it's not just a frequency spectrum, vertical. It's also left to right, boom, everything, like a big, full stereo field is, yes. is of, of frequencies is punching you in the face. Yes, I love that technique as well. Um, I totally agree with you. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I also want to say about stereo field, a lot of times like when I'm listening to music or I'm working on a production – I think about, well, maybe this is another aspect of layering too. I think about the vertical dimension of the the width, if that makes sense. Like a lot of times I like to hear music that sounds to me like I'm listening to an inverted triangle of width <laughs> coming at me. Like the things in the highest frequency spectrum are the widest and the things that are down low are the most mono or close to center in general yes. not all the time sure conceptually i think that's a great way to approach it realistically when you're listening to it because we're so bad at like positioning low frequencies anyway mm -hmm. you'll have the illusion of you'll still have the illusion of like everything coming from everywhere which is which is very cool yeah, uh, yeah so that's a great that's a great technique as well um, so yeah, we can, I mean, we can get into a couple of examples here, uh, just, um, a couple of like specific tricks, um, that we like to use to, to create some layers. Um, I'll show, I gull i guess I'll start cause I, I have sure. I think, two examples and you have one song, is it one song, right? 
It's one song, yeah. Okay, yeah. So mine are pretty simple. I think you based on the just based on track count. I think yours are more complicated than mine. But they might be my more first complicated. One is, a, is a pretty good. Uh, uh, sorry, I was just gonna say they might be more complicated, but that doesn't mean that they're smarter. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. My first one is a really simple one, and I, I I wanted to highlight it because in part because the arrangement is is good, um, but I just like to tuck this one thing in. This is like one of my pet tricks. I don't care. I'll give it away. I love Do this. It. I use it all the time. Tell it's very subtle, deal. and it's but it's very cool. So this is um, a band I mixed their album a long time ago. A band called Giant Clam from Australia, and I think it still hasn't been released. Unfortunately, I think those guys shelved it because they couldn't tour to support it because they finished it right as the pandemic hit, and Australia had some pretty bad lockdowns. So I'm not. I think it still hasn't been released. I'll have to check with mm. them to make sure I can. Uh, I can play it. Um, yeah. So I'll start by playing the the. I guess I'll just start by playing the mix, or should we start by playing the layers? You think? And then do the layers build up first. To the mix or, or yeah, build up to the, the mix. mix. Yeah, I want to go to the mix first. Yeah. Okay. That might be the wrong way to do it, but I want to be surprised. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to start with the drums. And basically what this is is there's a section that's kind of like a like building section and then there's like a bigger, you know, a bigger section with more filled out production. So we're kind of building up to that big section and I'll show you in the big section the trick I did that the band doesn't know I did because if they knew they'd probably make me take it out. Because <laughs> they're purists, but I don't think they caught it. So here's the uh, here's the drums. I guess it's just the shells. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to focus on that section where it's kick and snare. Uh, kind of, you could tell that's the going to be the, the breakdown section. So should, what, should we add layers to it? Should we add elements to it? Yeah, let's start adding some elements. All right. All right, so here's the bass added. So one thing I did there, you can see for, for additional impact, it's not really a layer trick, but I had two actually, I molted the bass. The uh, those big the big one is what I'm really trying to emphasize. Dun, dun, uh -huh. I'm using a heavier tone for that than for like the intermediate notes. Again, to create like oh. more contrast. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so now what they have is... Um, a lot of guitar layers that the band has. So I'll start adding some of those. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so that's two layers cool. of guitars coming from the left and the right. And those guitars are, actually, I think there might have been an extra layer in there too. There's like a lead, an ambient lead part in there mm. that I might have accidentally snuck in. Um, then these, this is all so far the band's arrangement. We're going to add another layer of guitars. So there's some additional leads going on there. And then a, yes. yet another layer of guitars. And I think, no, I don't know what this is. Let's just listen to it. So it's already starting to sound bigger, and I forgot to include the cymbals, so there's no even cymbals on there filling in the high end. But the, the trick, which is just one thing I added to really fill this out, is a piano note. I love to tuck in a single piano note on the one. And the reason I like piano, I'm sure I didn't invent this, but I came to it by myself Mm -hmm. When I was just trying to add impact to a one, I was like, there's already so much going on here. There's only so many layers. The reason I think piano notes work well is because a piano note has a lot of content across the whole frequency spectrum, but it's different harmonically than guitars. And mm. for that reason, I think it's such a nice way to fill in gaps between guitars. Very cool. So let me add that in, and then I'll play the, the final finished version. Okay. I made it unnaturally loud there. So okay. You can hear it. That's that really very cool. satisfying on the note, right? Yeah. So very cool. Here it is in the whole mix. You can hear that. Now that you know it's there, maybe you can pick out that piano. But I don't think the band knew that I snuck it in there because I snuck in a bunch of like 808 drops too, and they told me to get all, get rid of all that stuff. <laughs> but the piano just adds this additional impact just to those ones that I really wanted to emphasize for the section. So here's what it sounds yeah. like all together. Oh yeah, I absolutely hear it in there. 
<laughs> I don't think I could pick it out though. Just yeah, that's a, that's why I love that trick. It's such a cool, mm-hmm. especially for like a big chord. Just mm-hmm. and it's just one piano note. I'll show you what it sounds like soloed. It sounds like nothing, but for some reason it works so well. Uh, piano. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You do get like that's a really low note on a keyboard, but like you said, you get so much high harmonic content from even the low notes on a keyboard. Uh, unlike yeah, even a bass. Be- yeah, exactly. It it's that and it's because it's harmonically so different than either a bass or a guitar. Like I couldn't get that same effect by just putting in a second bass. Right? right. It would start to get muddy and cluttered. But because the harmonics are so different, it just, I think you said this before, where like you can fill in the cracks. Like with saturation, sometimes mm-hmm. you can fill in the cracks. You can also fill in the cracks by choosing to play like the root note on a totally different sounding instrument. I just like piano because it's such a broad, it covers so much of the frequency spectrum. The thing I like about that too is that in that context, it's almost like the piano, not quite, but it's almost like the piano is taking the role of like an impact or a bass drop. Not, It's obviously, yes. it's not as intense or in your face as a 808 or a sub drop, but the, con- the concept is still the same, like to have a note that just kind of impacts on that one and you have that tail, that decay tail. Yes, nice. exactly. The impact and then the decay tail. That's that's really the key. And the fact that it's not going along the whole time, it's just on those ones, just on the notes we're trying to emphasize, that's what creates that dynamic difference between mm-hmm. the rest of the sections and the one. Yeah, our, uh, contrasting that a little bit with like, I don't know if I necessarily have quite an example of this in 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 my song example, maybe a little bit towards the end of the choruses but uh with with your example you chose a piano which is a percussive instrument same as like guitars that the the initial note the transient is loudest and then it you have a decay tail but you can do the opposite with other instruments like stringed instruments because yes the initial can be depending on the player and how it's plucked or played that initial impact can be the loudest but you also have the bow, so you can start off with a, a quiet transient and get yes. louder. Totally. That's such a great point. In fact, I was listening to my next example that I'm going to play. I was referencing a Polyphia track. Um, I think it's called 40 Ounces off of the album The Most Hated. Okay. And they're, they're using like an 808, which I positive is multiple layers and what it is is it's like an initial and in the initial impact there's a kick obviously there's an ish, there's a kick and an 808 and then it the, the decay has like a swelling up of a synth almost like a guitar like mm. synth interesting so you get this you get the hit but then the decay they br- actually bring something in so it's the opposite of what we were just saying where like you have a big impact and then it tails off no they hear you have a the the impact is happening from other layers and then the sustain is coming from this new added layer. And it's a it's cool. a very cool effect as well. Yeah, that's almost like, and I think how you would, maybe the most logical way to create that other than 
having an effect or other elements that get louder is uh, side chaining uh, your your impact so that it's ducking that other instrument um, that instrumental part and then once the compressor lets go from ducking out the other instruments then you get that swell happening brilliant yeah that's even better because that's like a way to automate it so in other words you mm -hmm. could have that synth blaring the whole time and just have it be compressed by the 808 or the kick impact that that's you're right that might be very well what they what they did which is a which is something I have not tried in a long time. That's not a very common technique to use in rock. Like you don't really need it, um, but it is fun to play around with at times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Let's uh, let's get into yours. What? Tell me about what you got here. So yeah, this is a song that I just finished up for uh, a client. The band is As I Speak. The song is Still Breathing. And Zach, he's the lead singer, songwriter for the band. He came to me and this song was already released in In the Wild a couple years mm. ago or maybe a year ago. And he was just a little unsatisfied with, with his results on it. Um, the producer that he was working with, uh, ad admittedly, his ballpark was not rock and roll. Uh, this producer was more of like a hip hop artist and... You know, he did the best that he did, and I actually thought that what was already up on Spotify was a really great sounding track. But Zach wanted to bring it to me to add additional layers because he heard some of the ah. other stuff that I did. And he really was looking for kind of larger than life band sound, like think modern, bring me the horizon, or thing metal core, or things that just have like other synth or string elements in it. So I just went hog wild and I added like. 25 or 30 tracks of synths and strings. <laughs> and I don't necessarily, what I was saying or alluding to earlier in saying that, yeah, I have a lot of tracks, but I don't know if it was smarter, is that my approach, is, especially with the, the synths, we can go through it really quickly. But my approach with the synths was I just kept adding synths in, until I got the sound and the fullness that I was looking for. And there might be like a more... Uh, straightforward or a more efficient method than doing it that way. That's what wound up working this time. But maybe a better way would be actually manipulating a good synth sound into making it sound the way you want it to instead of adding so many well, layers. This is this is interesting because I, I, I think this, this speaks a little bit to workflow. And I'm curious how you came up with the sounds you did because I, I think... Both ways are valid. I, I think in a perfect world, I, I always think about my perfect world scenario. In a perfect world, the sound I want would just come out of my guitar without me doing anything to it, right? Yeah, yeah. But of course, for the, some of the reasons we talked about, that can happen. So I think, yes, in a perfect world, you would tailor a synth to be exactly what you want. But in reality, this is where we talk about what are the strengths of, those, of that synth? Can you really get everything you're looking for out of one synth? And uh, my last example is going to speak to that as well. So, yeah, I think that that is interesting, though. You certainly don't want to, like, just layer stuff to layer it. You want to pick stuff for a reason. Like, you know what else would be cool? Something with a lot of sparkly high end. And then you and then you add that. Yeah. If you could just get that from one instrument, I, I guess you would try. Yeah. But I wouldn't spend hours doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, All right. So what do you got here? Yeah, let's let's dive into the sucker. Um, <laughs> if you want to play the the final 
master first, we can at least hear what the song sounds like. And and actually, starting right from the intro, might be. I wish that I I wish that I had bounced out a version without the synths and the strings, but that's fine. Um, we'll just play this, and then you can get a, you can get an ear for kind of what's happening in the background. Okay, that's cool. Very cool. Sounds great. There's a lot yeah, going on. Yeah, thanks, there. man. Yeah, a lot going on there. So it's hard to imagine, and I wish I would have bounced out a different version. But yeah, there was no synths or strings. Well, actually, there was a string section. It was a different string part in the song, but whoever mixed it before, they buried it. I didn't even know there were strings in the song. They just put it underneath all the guitars, and I was like, no, no, the strings need to shine. They need to. They need to be out there and in front, especially because in that first hook, there's no vocal. There's room for the strings to to be featured there. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I guess from there, um, we can dive into like the individual elements and things like that. And I don't necessarily have a specific order to play all the parts, but maybe we could just go and unmute, just hit play from the beginning and just start unmuting each element because this version of stems that I sent you, they don't have any automation. So I think they're loud from when they first start playing, if that makes sense. But this is all, everything you sent me is the strings? No, there's a whole bunch of strings and then there's synths. Okay, yeah, but I mean, there's no like guitars in the stems you sent? Nope, nope. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so, so we can just hear those individual stuff. elements, yeah. Okay, out of curiosity, when you do this, do you have all these bust together? Yeah, I do. Okay. All of the synths go to a synth bus, and all of the strings go to a string bus. For some of the synths, and this is important, some of the synths have a lot of like, um, like panning movement that will happen in them. So sometimes, like, I'll have to really limit them heavily because I don't want there to be I don't want there to be so much variation from side to side in in most of the synths that I use especially if they're really subby because Do I you just, limit on the bus that they that they're routed to no individually individually oh just to even out the balance yeah yeah okay just to reduce the dynamic I, range I got gotcha. you right all right so let's start with this got our low growly guy yeah. Love that. Mm 
All right, I'm going to pause here because those last yeah. couple, I could barely hear them come in. So let's, I want to focus on those. So you got the, you got the, the low guy. He's kind of clean, mm -hmm. but a little bit maybe back. So it's yes. still kind of ambient. That's very cool. Now I want to focus on these ones here. So. Interesting. So these next two kind of support each other. It seems like one's mm -hmm. a little bit closer, one's a little bit farther, but they're still working together. Yeah, normally my goal with a arrangement like this is I want, like in the final mix, I want it to kind of sound like there's one synth happening. I'm not really looking for, I'm looking for like purposely a smearing effect without getting muddy. Yeah, sure. Okay, let me add these next couple. Actually, listen to them solo first. Okay, and these are more to the sides. Mm-hmm. Yes, so all together you get this. Cool. It's everywhere, yeah. You know, before you get ah, to the okay. strings. Okay. One thing I was thinking about, and I don't know if I've made this mental connection before, but just listening to that and thinking about how a lot of those strings, they have like a reverb or a sense of space built into them. And yep. I think what I kind of like about that is so often my guitars and bass are like completely dry. There's no reverb. Sometimes on leads, there's... Uh, delays happening but the guitars and the bass are right in your face so you don't really get a sense of space with that but by having all those synths together it's kind of conveying like this larger than life like whether it's a big hall or an arena it's kind totally. of giving it's giving this image to the listener of like yeah this is epic this is a huge space without sacrificing that punchiness from the guitars and the other elements that you expect that from yes Yes, I think that's so key. That's like kind of the concept of what the room mics are doing on a drum kit, right? You have mm -hmm. the initial impact from the close mics, but then the room kind of fills out the sustain in the back. And this is, I mean, look, it's audio, it's stereo. In this, we, right. we don't, have, we only have so many levers we can pull. So we talked about the frequency spectrum lever. We talked about the left to right stereo field lever. Now this is the third lever, which is front to back. So you're filling out everything, which yeah, makes sense. So why don't we, for these strings, this is maybe, it's not so much layers. So the cool thing about the synths is I think that was all the same MIDI performance and just copied and pasted to different okay. yeah. different tones. But for the strings, it was different because I was looking for specific arrangements. And also I think I tried to track all of that MIDI live and not edit it because I was trying to get as much different differentiation in the stereo field as possible from the strings. But I didn't have to gotcha. worry about that as much from the synths because each of those synths is different sounding enough. You're not competing. You're well, they're not, also, you're not, they're also bassy. 
Yeah. So you're not doing a ton of stereo stuff there anyway. True. It's, it's kind of right. It's more um, mostly centered. You do have those two out to the sides, but that's not your intent. You're just filling out kind of the the low end from side to side there. But that that mm-hmm. makes sense that you would try to try to do it live. But the sounds are different. Also, it's it's live performances and different different sounds. From the strings we're talking. Yeah. It's all um it's all from the same plugin but it's emulating like an actual symphonic like okay. orchestra. So Yeah. Yeah, different I'm I'm picking from and you can see from the labeling like I'm picking from different parts of the orchestra. Like I've got the first chair violins, the second chair violins, the violas, the cellos and Gotcha. The way this so plugin muting works and I'm is muting different parts of the orchestra for Exactly. Yeah. And the kind of um it's a handicap but i used it to my advantage in this like uh the panning is built into well i i'm pretty sure the panning is built into like what the orchestra would typically look like or how it was sampled so yeah. the base the base um the string bases are slightly to the right of center of probably what I would like them for an arrangement like this, because I would want the basses in the middle. And then I have both violins, first and, and second chair violins, are you know far left and left of center. So I've got the two kind of highest violin parts to the left. So what I had to do was I had to write higher parts for the cellos on the right to kind of balance out the stereo field. And okay. I like that it I like that it kind of creates this you know, it's an unintended uh, asymmetry, but I made it work with like a little bit of panning and some just balancing of levels and the arrangement. And I think it adds some like interesting flavor and it's and it's kind of cool to like leverage a handicap like that. If you, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Okay, let's listen to them. Cool. So yeah, you, I guess I missed some since you have some additional saws and stuff to. Um, oh, in the bottom there. Dis- yeah. Yeah, distort the the middle range, the middle, the mid range. So, cool. Um, play the strings one more time here, actually with the saws and stuff. And also, it looks like you've layered in some like hits or some staccato or something, right? For the strings. Yeah, what are these tremolo, spiccato? Yeah, yeah. So the spiccato is kind of like a. It's a very. It's not percussive like a pluck would be, but it still it, it has some intensity. It's like a bowed percussion. An intense and, bow. Okay. Yeah, and then the tremolo I added in to give extra intensity to like, the last held out note, and it kind of gives this. Um, it's not natural because obviously the same violins that are holding a long note can't also tremolo at the same time, but I layered that in as well to kind of give that last note some 
additional like crescendo volume happening, like leading into the next downbeat. So like I kind of talked about before, I've got the drums and the guitars, they're most powerful on the downbeat, but the strings, they're kind of, the tails are getting more powerful. They're getting louder on the tails. So you have this like push and pull happening. Yes, I love that. Let's listen to that. That's a nice touch. I like that a lot. Thanks, man. Let's uh, listen to the whole thing Yeah, it's cool. It creates like you're almost like building some additional tension with those like yeah into that big one again, which is yeah, which is very satisfying. Yeah, I'll say one other thing about writing layers for this song that you know I I learned as I was going through it because initially with the strings, I wanted to do, to do some more harmony parts in there to make it like a more interesting string arrangement, but I found that only like one harmony was really working for me in there. And so I just decided to keep it simple. And the layers that I did were the arrangement from the different parts of the orchestra playing the same part at different different octaves or the same octaves. So um, the basses are obviously playing a lower octave. And then I created also some other layers by having uh, violin one uh, or the first violins, the second violins and the cellos playing the same octave but because they're technically different instruments they respond to that same note playing differently so instead of taking one instrument and creating a whole bunch of different harmonies i created layers of the same part (laughs) and it really worked yeah this is a huge 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 important thing that i'm so glad you brought up when it comes to doing lots of layers you have to keep it simple because mm. otherwise things will become a muddy mess. It's like my first example was a single piano note. I could have gone with a one three five chord and it would have True. ruined the whole effect. It would have just become a muddy mess. So the same thing you're talking about is like if you try to force harmonies and make each part cool on its own, you're going to end up with a muddy cacophony. But yeah. if you just focus on simple, here's one line it works. I'm going to just repeat it in different octaves. That's how you get powerful layers. So with layers, simplicity is so important. And I, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned it to this point. Um, my last example is, is fairly short. And it's a similar thing where I, I wanted to... Th- this song has is by an artist named Brian Halton. He's an awesome guitar player out of Philly. And this is actually his first... He was, he was in a band in Philly... Um, called Call Me Clever but mm. this is his first solo thing so we collaborated on it so I did a lot of the production and it's a very high energy song so it was 
it was challenging to like keep bringing the energy level up and up and up. And I wanted to have this this really big drop in it. So what I'm going to focus on is how I built that drop, which again is like kind of what you were talking about where it's on first listen, it's like, oh, that's a massive baseline. But I'll show you actually what it consists of and how I, mm. what, what my thought process was for adding each of the layers. So first I'll, I'll just play it, uh, the part leading into the drop. The energy just is is just is high the whole time, mm -hmm. which, which is yeah. which is tough. It's tough to uh, to mix a song like that. So the first thing to note was there is a bass in this song. There, a lot of it is a rock song, and I knew that I had this massive like eight oh eight synthy bassy thing. So from an arrangement standpoint, I knew I didn't want the bass guitar playing in that low register. So I came up mm -hmm. with actually a bass guitar doing something up high, and I'll just start with that because that was like a decision I made after being like, there's too much bass going on. So here's what the bass right. is doing for that break. Super high-pass filtered. Yeah, I can hear that. So that's the bass. And then I get into let let's get into these um what actually makes that big synth drop. So the first part, the first element I wanted was we talk about a massive clean low end. So I was just picking tones for that. Here's what I have. Is that like an 808? Yeah. So that's going to anchor my my low end. Mm -hmm. Then I wanted something really kind of impactful and gritty, but more like coming from the sides mm. on the top end. So this is what I did the same thing you did, where I took the same MIDI part and just picked different elements to trigger it off that MIDI, because I wanted them to all be in sync, almost mm -hmm. like it was one instrument. That's cool. I like so, that it's it's not very consistent either. It's got some nice like variation in it. Yeah, and I did that manually with the like mod wheel, you know? That was like Oh, did you? Cool. something I could do. So even though the the MIDI part was being triggered, but as I was recording the audio, I was kind of riding the the mod wheel on my on my MIDI controller to cool. get that like swelling kind of push pull. All right. Uh let me put in another bass part here. This is I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's called Growl, so that should be fun. Nice. Ooh, it sounds like it's got a phaser on it, too. 
Yeah. That's good. That's, I'm kind of doing the same, a similar thing you did where that element is a little bit set back. Mm-hmm. Right? It's got like a, either the either because of the phase effect or there's some kind of built-in like reverb spatial thing, but it's kind of set mm. back a little bit. And I'm 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 filtering all of these things with my EQs to get them all to to work to their strengths. All right, so then we have the Oh, my one stint didn't print. Dang. All right, no. then we have the guitars. <laughs> I imagine that I'm in like a Koopa castle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially with that bass, like the, 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 the bass line in there, I find like yeah. it adds this really interesting, like metallic quality to it that definitely reminds me of the Koopa castle. I had that very yeah. thought when I was, when I was creating <laughs> it. So I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. All right. So then we add the drums on top of that. Then I added, um, because this part, I wanted to really build into this chaotic thing, I added a very, very thin piano that you can barely hear until the end when it kind of just builds into, I'm just literally mashing on the keys. wild that's crazy it works though yeah just chaos was what i was going for there <laughs> you got um, it man i like how off the wall it is too because it's almost like it's a lot of elements you would never expect to hear with a rock band the last thing mm. i'll i i forgot it didn't bounce out unfortunately but i'll play the full thing and you'll you, you'll be able to hear it one thing i noticed was that when i listened to the mix in mono some of that impactful synth the gritty stuff on the side didn't collapse well. It was um, mm. it kind of disappeared. So to combat that, I used another layer trick I use all the time. I use this on guitars for big sections. I will add a center element and tuck it in very, very, very quietly so that in stereo you almost can't tell it's there. But in mono, when that the the center channel gets boosted up like six dB or something. It fills in those gaps. So it's yeah. really just a mono thing. Um, so I'll play the full thing again, and you might be able to hear it. It's basically just a stupid, simple saw like synth on that same part, and it's just coming right up the middle, just tucked in there. In mono, it makes a big difference. Like on my mm. cell phone is where, when I was listening to the mix on my cell phone, it's still an in-progress mix, by the way, but on my cell phone, I was like, that part doesn't hit enough. Yeah. And this is how I chose to solve it. Smart that. idea, man. Oh, I did. There's a couple other things in there. I just want to play. There's um, some hits in here. I did like a brass horn hit. Oh, nice. For impact. And then there's like a vocal effect. Let me just play those. This I stole from LP, the guy who produces Run the Jewels. Oh, nice. Right on. 
does a lot of that kind of like a gang vocal thing. <laughs> I love <laughs> I really it, man. Like. Just adds Dope, that man. little oomph to it. So here's the whole thing one more time with that center synth. And dope. you'll be mastering that hopefully this week. So that'd be dope, man. I can't wait to <laughs> play around with that. Cool thing about that too is, and I like when rock bands or pop bands do this when it's like a traditional like rock instrumentation where there's a section that's just more influenced by hip hop because you can't get a low end like you can get in hip hop. Yeah. Especially from the 808s and stuff like that. So I think it's really cool. Like, especially to to give it and then take it away because you don't need it all the time but if there's just that like extra sub it's it it really gives extra impact to that drop it's very cool totally totally i mean we both know that's like a big like joey sturgis is a big fan of that like tucking stuff into drops glass breaking 808s it, you don't need a lot, but it just adds yeah. that. Like you said, you just can't get you can't get forty hertz with a bass guitar in a satisfying way. <laughs> no. but you can get it with an eight hundred eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Cool, man. Well, this is a fun episode. Hopefully, you guys yes. got some creative ideas for building layers. Remember, with layers, keep it simple. Super important. Keep your parts simple. Keep them consistent. You don't, if you have too many parts going on between layers, it's going to get messy. So keep the parts consistent, keep them simple. Think about the frequency spectrum. Each layer, what is it? Where is it in the frequency spectrum? What is it doing? Where is it in the stereo field, left to right? Where is it in the sound field, front to back? And if you can fill in a lot of those spaces with simple parts, you, you can build something that's cool and impactful and unique too. That's the other cool thing about layers we didn't mention is that. We all are using the same plugins, you know, mm -hmm. not quite true, but like we all have access to the same plugins. You can build unique stuff by creating a unique set of layers off of the same MIDI part that no one else in the world yep. would, would have created. I agree, man. I got nothing else to add to it. <laughs> cool. Well, good episode, Ben. Until next time, yes. DIY Recording Guys, reminding you to check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. 
And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.